The following is a production of Lift Hill Media. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the original Theme Park Podcast. Theme Park Podcast. This is your announcer, Neil Patrick Harris. And now, podcasting from our glass-enclosed studios in Washington, D.C., this is CoasterRadio.com. Here are your hosts, my close personal friends, Mike Collins and E.B. Thank you very much, Neil, and welcome, everybody, to the original Theme Park Podcast. This is CoasterRadio.com, coming to you from Washington, D.C. I am Mike Collins, and out there in Indiana, it's the one and only E.B. How's it going, Mike? I am doing great. I've got to warn you, first of all, though, uh, that Coaster Radio Studio A here in D.C. is under some major renovation right now. So hopefully, oh, you got, like, home improvements? Home improvements going on. Basically, Molly is kind of redoing uh, the entire studio here, but the best part of about this is being you mean my <laughs> sewing room <laughs> there we go <laughs> no but the best part about this you're gonna love this eb is do you remember those old films of walt disney uh standing in front of that gigantic map of epcot you know yeah. he's sitting there with the big long pointer well, yeah molly somehow has gotten her hands on this original aerial shot of disneyland that actually <laughs> hung in the uh, Disneyland offices, it's probably about eight feet by eight feet. It's gigantic, EB, and she is basically redoing the entire studio here so that that can hang on the main wall. Wow, it's, she's like a decorator. She's coming in and she's stylizing. It's so awesome. So what we're going to do is for all of you guys who watch the show live on Tuesday nights on Ustream, I'm going to move the camera around <clears> so <throat> that you'll see me sitting here in front of the microphone, but behind me, just like Walt Disney, is going to be his vision of Disneyland back there. It's very cool. Ooh. Awesome. You're going to like this, though, because it's, I think what it was is something that probably hung in the Disneyland offices, probably around... I don't know, maybe the mid-80s. I'm looking at this, like there's no Splash Mountain in this big overhead shot, but a lot of the other rides are there. So I'm trying to figure out and pinpoint exactly when it's from. It's very oh, difficult. yeah, you got to like ID it now. So yeah. I, I think the coasterradio.com audience could help you out with this, Mike, if you I think need so. to post it on Facebook or something. I think that's what we'll do. So as soon as the studio is completely renovated, uh, thanks to Molly, we will uh, post photos. I'll even do like a little video tour of what the a whole thing looks tour, like. virtual tour, Mike. There we go. I think, or you know what we should do is one of those 360 panoramas. Maybe Molly can take that while we're doing a show so you can see exactly what it's like. Oh, like I'm apartment shopping. I get to go into the kitchen and look all around. Oh, that would be cool. So why don't we do that? I think that'd be fun. So we'll we'll do that as soon as everything is set in here. But uh, there is a little bit of dust. So if I start uh, coughing up or hacking up, uh, (laughs) just take over for me, EB, and we'll we'll keep going. If there's any, like, carpet deliveries in the middle of the show. There we go. Anything like that. Could happen. You never know. Uh, We've got a lot of fun stuff on the show tonight. A little bit later on, we're going to have a live report from Six Flags Great America, our friend CM Venom was out there, and he actually got a chance to ride Batman backwards during the media day. Oh, you mean uh, NamTab? NamTab. I wonder if they're actually calling it that. <laughs> they should. It's a good name. Yeah, that is a good name. So we're going to be talking with him a little bit later on. We've actually got some fantastic news. Evie, do you want to, like, before we even get into the first drop? kind of tease (laughs) what you got to do this week because i think it is a major major accomplishment here at coaster radio that's right finally i got around to riding the blue flash the backyard roller coaster the famous backyard roller coaster that has a 360 degree loop that resides right here in the great state of indiana i think this is really the reason you needed to move to indiana so that you could one day go out to that farm and ride not only the blue flash but also the blue too the blue two, the little <laughs> roller coaster. That's right. But we have to go to the first drop. 
Ah, uh, sometimes I, I love the first drop, but I hate it because I can't wait to get through this topic so I can find out about the blue flash. But we will get there. <laughs> Speaking of hating, yeah. <laughs> Mike, that's the topic here in the uh, first drop. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I'm glad we waited a couple weeks to talk about this because uh, there was kind of a gigantic controversy uh, in the Disney theme park area. And uh, it all started with this a- is a nice one, though, Mike, because it's not just Disney people. This one went mainstream. Yes, yes. It was one of those things that just wasn't on the Disney boards and theme park boards. It actually started in the mainstream press. The New York Post uh, had an article uh, that was basically all about disabled access at Disney World. And basically what was happening, to kind of paraphrase this, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about it, but maybe some of you hadn't. Basically what was happening is that some wealthy Manhattan moms, and this is what the article says, have figured out a way to cut the long lines at Disney World. Mm -hmm. And they say, here's the way they do it, E.B., by hiring disabled people to pose as family members so they and their kids can jump to the front of the line. Right. So basically they hire the guides and they're tour guides, but they have disabled guides. And so they take the people around to the park. And if you're if there's a disabled person in your party, that disabled person in up to like five or six other people, which is the size of these families, mm-hmm. Go to up the exit ramp and get to board the ride. Yeah, this is what the New York Post is reporting. And if you go to our blog or our reporting zine, in quotation yeah, marks, yeah, there we the go. New York Post reporting. <laughs> so this is all allegedly, of course. Uh, that's what the Lift Hill lawyers would want us to say. But this is you can actually go and read this article for yourself. We'll post it on our zine and on our blog and stuff. Uh, but basically what they're saying, and this is exactly from the article, that the black market Disney guides, as they call them, run $130 an hour or $1,000 for an eight-hour day. Right. Now, we did a show just last week where we were talking about how much it would cost for a VIP experience. And remember, that was like upwards of like $350 an hour. So you're kind of getting a bargain if you go this route. You're getting the bargain going this route. And I was so confused by this article in general because it was like the wealthy Manhattan moms being all snotty and elitist about how they paid money to cut the lines because, oh, those regular people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, wouldn't it be even more wealthy and elitist to do it properly? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because don't they know? Wouldn't the wealthy elite people be like, oh, my gosh, you hired a handicapped person? That's so sad. Yeah, because if you're like one of those— We can afford the real ticket. Yeah, if you're like the Manhattan mom, you're not going to go the cheap route, man. You're going to— pay and like do the status symbol of having the disney guide and their plaid outfits take you around i mean you know no disrespect to the disabled person but you don't you want like the fancy disney person taking you around well then i figured it out mike and it has nothing to do with saving money it has to do with the fact that these manhattan mom people these east coast snobs Hello, hello, E.B. <laughs> these elitist women and their horrible horrible families they just love to be mean. Ah. And that's what they're doing is they just love that they can be mean and that they can cheat and that they can take advantage of the system and that they can cart around this handicapped person. Well, EB, I don't know if you can do a Manhattan mom voice, but right here on our CoasterRadio.com rundown, there actually is a quote from the article from one of these mean moms. Would you like to read it? <laughs> Do it in your Manhattan mom voice. I think this would be good. My daughter waited one minute to get on. It's a small world. The other kids had to wait two and a half hours. <laughs> that sounded like the mom from The Sopranos. That was pretty good. <laughs> But there's a little bit more of the quote. Can you read the rest of the quote, too? You can't go to Disney without a tour concierge. This is how the 1% does Disney. 
I think we've just lucked into a character here. Manhattan Disney mom, as we could call this. And I love the New York Post's reporting here. It's, you can't go to Disney without a tour concierge. She sniffed. Yes, I like that, of course. So <laughs> hilarious. Reporting. You, need to, you guys need to go and read this whole article here. So here's my question, and because and, what surprised me about the outrage is that well, she's some— not, See, this is my point. Is she's not the 1%. She's like the white trash of the 3%, yeah. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> because that's the thing. If you're going to go, just pay the $350 and get the real guide, and then you're not dealing with all of this other nonsense. Just go ahead. And, and but do as, it. as that quote pointed out, it's not about the money. It's about being a snot. Ah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> because she sniffed, as the, uh, the article right. says. Here's my question. What surprised me about this is that some people were very angry by this article, but other people actually kind of supported this and said, you know, well, if a disabled person can go and make $1,000 a day by doing this, more power to them. So here's my question for you. Oh, it's Evie. like employing the disabled. Yeah, that's what they're saying. They're like, they're like, yeah, big deal. So you know, free country. It's a- enterprise. You know what I'm saying? So, so here's my question. Does it bother you? Is this something that bothers you when you hear about this? It doesn't bother me because it's sensational reporting, and I don't think it happens that often. And I'm not going to be you know, like getting fumed up and righteous and high and mighty about stuff like this. I mean, come on, you yeah. can't you can't read that much. It's this article was written. And designed specifically to do what it did. Exactly. Get clicks on the New York Post website. And that's what it's doing. And we're talking about it too, you know, so we got suckered in as well. Because here's my here's my thing. It doesn't bother you or me or anybody else. Like it's not going to affect the thoroughput of the rides. It's not going to affect whether I get on Space Mountain or not. You're really talking about a small, like tiny, insignificant percentage of people doing this. And I think people just like to get outraged at things yes. these days, you yes. know? That's what it's all about. I feel outraged. Well, you know what? There's so many better things to be outraged at out there, you know? <laughs> like things that actually are, you know, affect people and hurt people. This, this does not. This doesn't, in my opinion. No, but at the same time, it, there's rule breakers and you yes. can't. You have to have rules and they have to be enforced. And that's the question now is, is this against the rules and can you enforce it? Yeah. Is there a foolproof way that Disney can police this? And I'm not sure that there is, except the well, one thing. Disney is saying that they're going to they're gonna look at it and see what they can figure out. But yeah, yeah what is it going to be? Well, here's my thing is that if there can't be that many disabled guides going and doing this, right? So wouldn't they know? <laughs> like, uh-oh, here comes Sally Sue again. She's on her motorized vehicle. We've seen her doing this before. Don't they have the ability to say, sorry, Sally Sue, you, you and your group can't come in because we're not going to allow this anymore? Well, but then how do you know? I, see, because it's not family members, so it's not like they can do like a blood test at the gate. It's <laughs> you and your party. Yes. So what's to stop you from oh. having somebody go with you? See, this you know, is— Maybe Sally Sue's got a lot of friends. This is the hardest thing. Sally yeah. Sue. Yeah. Sally Sue. <laughs> Did you like that? Sally this... Sue on her scooter. Yeah. This is, I think, the hardest thing that Disney would have to deal with because— you know, there are honest-to-God people who come into the park with their family, and they have a child who cannot wait in a line just because of some physical ailment or some physical disability. There are definitely people like that, and, and I, I feel for them and think that they should, you know, get to the front of the line because odds are they're probably only going to be able to spend a few hours in the park anyway. You know, it's not like they're going to go and— a big and, heart, Mike, because there's plenty of people to say, screw them. Yeah, oh, sure. I'm sure there are. But you know what? Like, you and me, we can go into the park and spend 15 hours there, but a kid, 
You know who's what about like, a giant fat person, Mike? Oh, okay. Now you're talking about something completely different, though. Is it? But <laughs> that's a good question. There are people what who about will say a super old person. There are people who will say it's not different, and so there you go. And that's how the arguments go, and that's what's so difficult. And I'm sure that the people who work in guest relations, I'm, I, I don't know if they, I don't think they can hand out front of the line passes to everybody. But you know, where do they make the cutoff? I don't That's, know. Well, if they did, then I would be able to get in the regular line and just go right up to the front because the cut, the line line would be so long. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> I, I, backfire. <laughs> I like the parent swap idea, and I know that this wouldn't work for every disabled person, but it definitely works for parents who want to ride. And, you know, look, and basically for those of you who don't know, one person stands in the regular line, so they are actually waiting for however long the line is. So if it's a 30-minute wait for a roller coaster, the dad goes into the line while the mom and baby wait at the exit. When the dad gets up to the coaster, he rides, and then he gets off, and the mom rides, and the dad stays with the baby. It depends on the park. A lot of parks will do it that way. But the whole my whole point is that's so dumb because why didn't you just go to the park by yourself? <laughs> there you go. There because you you're go. essentially doing the whole park by yourself. But see, that's what like I'm, in shifts. That's what I'm saying, though, is that somebody who has a broken leg can do that. You know, that's something they well, can do. I they don't need to go do to the front. You look at the line and you say, well, this line has a, a 90 minute wait. So here's your fast pass. Come back in 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't they just do that? I know. That's another way to do it, too. And, and see, that's what I'm saying. Like I said before, there are people who absolutely cannot wait in line just because of their disability. And, you know, where do you make that yeah. cutoff? I, I just do don't draw, know. Where do you draw that line? Then, I don't know. Because, you know, there's parents going up like, well, my kid has ADHD and doesn't like to wait in line. Exactly. No duh, lady. Yeah. No duh. <laughs> yeah. We don't. Nobody does. Yeah, man, this is a this is a tough topic. So that's why when when I started reading about all this, I was thinking about. You know, these other things that you got to think about, not necessarily. Uh, one well, the other coming. kids had to wait <laughs> two and a half hours. <laughs> Does it sounds like the mom from The Sopranos? That's so good. Edie Falco, you mean? That's who it sounds like. <laughs> I think you ought to like workshop that character a little bit and see if we can uh, get into that. So I don't know. Uh, so Disney is saying that they're going to look into this. We'll keep an eye on it and uh, probably talk about Disney it in a future going show. To look for the news cycle to drop this story and do nothing. They uh, probably not. I mean, yeah, they'll probably just let it let it die out because I think this has been going on for years. This isn't it's brand been going new on for years. I think it, I think there it is getting a little bit worse with the entitlements and with the there is a broadening definition of what it means to be disabled. Because it's like, does the kid with Asperger's syndrome get to cut the line? Does the fat lady get to cut the line? Does grandma get to cut the line? I mean, come on. Who's cutting the line here? Everybody? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. These are all that's, things. That's what I think is, is happening. And that's I think Disney is ultimately going to have to deal with this. But I think they are dealing with it slowly and surely. It's not going to be an adjustment to the system they have now. It's a whole new system. And it's coming with the whole pre-planning your day ah. and the apps and the fast passes and all of that stuff. It's going to it's going to happen. So much interesting stuff to keep an eye on, and that's what we'll do here at the show. So we'll see. We'll see. But this, this is a tough topic, man. I how the 1% does Disney. <laughs> there we go. You need to work on that character a bit. You need to work on that. <laughs> well, now we get to the part of the show that I am super excited about. I've been waiting for this, I think, for eight years. I think in our very first season of Coaster Radio, we did a show about backyard attractions. And mm -hmm. we talked about some guy who owns a farm out in Indiana, and he, had, he built something called the Blue Flash which is basically a backyard roller coaster that goes up the side of his barn, goes down a spiraling drop, and into a loop. And I had no idea that a member of the CoasterRadio.com team would one day make his way out to Indiana and ride this. And it was UEB, and it was this week. 
It finally happened, Mike. This is it, it's so terrible that we do this. We just did the first drop, breaking news, because we're on top of it. No, it took us five, six years <laughs> to ride this stupid ride. <laughs> That's how long it took us. It's really terrible. But oh, no, we gosh. we found out we did a whole show about backyard roller coasters and, and attractions. We talked about uh, the the guy that had the monorail. We talked about Jeremy Reed and his wooden roller coaster. Yeah, and then we talked about John Ivers and his steel roller coaster, the Blue Flash, in Bruceville, Indiana. And you know then. We came out here to Holiday World a couple years later, and then I moved out to Indiana, and it still took me four or five years <laughs> to find the Blue Flash and finally get on it. But it happened, Mike. Like you said, it happened this week. It, it was crazy. This is pretty exciting. Why don't you tell people how you got out there and like how this happened? Because you know you just didn't go out on your own, like take a road trip out there and ride it. You, you actually did it for a professional reason. No, that's right. So at work, we were going to do a segment for a TV show about it. And so I called him up and I told him I explained it to him. And um, the first thing is I called at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Monday and his wife answers the phone and she says, oh, well, he's out. Oh, well, he's out mowing the lawn right now. And I said, oh, well, can he call me back? And she said, oh, where are you calling from? It's not long distance, is it? And I told her where I was calling from. She's like, that is long distance. You'll have to call us. <laughs> how charming. That's and a- I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see how this is going to go. And then I called back in 10 minutes to talk to him. And he answered the phone. And I explained what we wanted to do. And we wanted to come out and ride your backyard roller coaster. First words out of his mouth. No joke. I don't suppose this pays anything, does it? <laughs> he's looking. He's looking to make a little cash off his roller coaster. I can see that. As a roller coaster so. designer, I sure. don't know. He was he. I, I couldn't tell if it was like more Midwest than I am, <laughs> and that was that kind of a humor, or if I was getting myself into trouble here with a grump guy. Oh, that was that was my big worry. And he, I said, you know, maybe next week, Thursday or Friday, we could come on. He's like, well, I don't know. I'm not working right now, but maybe I'll have a job next week. <laughs> Yeah. Like, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> he may not be able to make it out for it, you know? Well, John, I'll see you on Thursday at 4 o'clock then. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And see, and now I felt really bad because for like the next two weeks, I was I was tell- telling that story at work about how I was going out to this guy who built a backyard roller coaster, but in reality, he's a big grump. But I went and met John. I made the big drive out there. He lives right down the road from the giant peach. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What is the giant there's peach? A peach? There's like a big peach stand <laughs> on the side of the road, and they have a giant like fiberglass peach. Wow. And apparently it's a thing. I don't know. But that's anyway, he lives right down the road from the peach. <laughs> it sounds and like something Clark Griswold would want to like drive exactly. 100 miles out of the way to go see. Yeah. Exactly. But no, I met John, and so he is like a super nice guy. Um, I don't know if he just has bad, he's not so great on the phone or if he was trying to be funny or something, but he, or maybe he was just pulling my leg cause he's that kind of a joker, but he was a super nice guy. Uh, met him, saw the blue flash, saw the blue too. It is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't look bigger or smaller. No, it is, <laughs> it is perfectly yeah. portrayed in all of the pictures and write-ups and things like that that you've ever seen. Now, when you got there and you finally saw it in person and you see the, like, basically the car seat that is strapped down to a chassis, did you think twice about getting on? Was there any part of you that said, no, I'm not riding this thing? No, I knew all along that I was going to ride it. I had to ride it. And, and I don't normally, like, press my luck with that kind of stuff. Whenever we go somewhere, I don't, like, hey, can I try it out? And be, like, a dork or whatever. But this one, I think I would have, if he hadn't offered i would have stepped up and said may i please but no he let everybody ride it everybody who went along um while we were there his grandkids showed up and their moms and they wrote it too like the little (laughs) grandkid like the seven-year-old girl she wrote it 
I always remember, I think like the very first video I ever saw of this was a really young kid riding it. And I remember laughing hysterically when this little kid flies through the loop because it just seems so wrong. But maybe now for the first time ever, we can hear your review step by step, element by element of what the Blue Flash was all about. Well, like you said, Mike, the Blue Flash is little more than a small (laughs) rectangular cart with a car seat bolted onto it. And I had always thought it was a minivan seat. He said it was from a Ford Tempo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So you sit down in the Ford Tempo car seat and it has a new car cover on it. I think he must have gotten it from from an auction or, you know, from an auto parts store that was going out of business or something. But he had a really fancy racing car seat over (laughs) over the Ford Tempo seat. And um, Ford Tempo. <laughs> <laughs> and the cart is just painted red metal. And there's a bar that comes up. It, it comes up to about your knees. And you just hold on to it. It's not like holding you down or it's not a lap bar or anything like that. Um, and then there's a giant seatbelt. And I go to buckle the seatbelt. And the seatbelt, no joke, is probably like six inches wide. Oh, no. <laughs> like it's not like a car seatbelt. Yeah. It would be like two and a half inches. It's this big, fatty, fat seatbelt in, in the the buckle for it is bigger than an index card. That's how big it is. Yeah. And I asked him, I was like, what is this giant seatbelt? This is pretty significant here, John. It's like, ah, I got that out of an old bulldozer. <laughs> so he's like, just salvaging okay, parts. I guess if it, you know, if this thing breaks and I roll down a hill, I won't come unbuckled. There we go. He's a man after your own heart, you know, salvaging things, putting it he's all just, together. Yeah, he's just finding bits and pieces and parts. And he told, and that's what he said. This whole thing was just built out of scrap metal. Wow. It's great. Now, I'll tell you the story about how he built it because that, that's the best. Um, but first... So he, it's got a little motor on it, and it's got a chain to go up the side of his shed. And it's like an A-frame shed with a roof that's probably 16 feet. And then the track itself goes over the top probably about 20-plus feet or so. So you have to get pushed up to the chain, <laughs> and then it'll engage in the chain. He hits the button, and you go up, chink, 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 like a regular old chain lift. Yeah. Now, what are you thinking as you're climbing the lift hill? Is there any fear in your mind at all? No, because so far I haven't done anything yet. Yeah. You know, once I was buckled and I guess once the chain hit, you're kind of committed. Yeah. At that point, you're, there's That's no stopping the thing. It's yeah. like, yeah. well, now it's done. You know, whatever happens next, it's done. And yeah. and to, to, to reiterate this point, I would, did not ride it before I saw him ride it. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so you did see it go through once at least. Yes, yeah. I saw. I mm-hmm. watched him ride it a couple of times first. You know, he said that he always likes to unlock it. And, and that's the other thing is has a padlock on it. So nobody can come and ride it in the middle of the night. <laughs> there we go. I'm sure that's something we've all thought about. Do we do we go like take a midnight joy ride out to Mr. Ivers farm and take a ride? But now we know we can't. No. So when you go over that the top of that first hill and, and you're going down for that first drop, that's when it sets in that. This is just some untrained dude <laughs> who put this thing together. So you come down that first hill. It would be different, I think, if it was just a straight drop. But it's not. You do like a full 180. Yes. And like round the corner of this shed to kind of go back parallel to where you were coming from. Because where you start, right there on your left, about eight feet away, is the loop. Yeah. It's got and that so like you twisting go up, drop. You make that sharp turn to double back and you hit the loop. Yeah. And that drop is scary, and you feel the forces, and because there was no, like, quote-unquote math involved in this design. Yeah, there you go. There was no real consideration about the forces that you would hit. And so it's nice and smooth going over the top of the shed, coming into the curve, but at the end of the drop, where it flattens out to get ready for the loop. Oh, boy. That's the first, like, 
impact <laughs> that you experience. Or maybe you're a little worried at that point. You're like, wait a second. Oh, no. At that point, you're done worrying <laughs> because you're, it's either yes or no. Yeah. There is no, you know, it's do or do not. There is no try. Oh, wow. The people that I was with, though, watching, they said that my face, and all of us wrote it, in all of us the first time, that's where your face <laughs> is the most... This could be it for me. Yeah. Sure. And that's it. You know, this could be the end. And what's scary <laughs> so, about this is that you guys are shooting for a television show. So I'm sure that you're rolling tape on all of this stuff. And, and you're probably thinking in the back of your head, oh, my gosh, if something happens, it's going to be recorded. This is it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is going to be going down on YouTube. Oh, man. We're finally going to get some hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there we go. <laughs> So this is this part of the ride where you kind of get to the bottom of the hill and you're getting ready to go into the loop. If you watch the YouTube videos of all of the people that have ridden the blue flash, this is the part of the ride where you see the person's head just go bonk to the side because oh. you hit that – you end your curve and straighten out and it's so violent <laughs> <laughs> that it just throws you. And the impact – and that's the thing is you don't have any sides on this seat – there's no lap bar holding you in. There's nothing to hold on to but this one little bar in front of you. So you really do get thrown and you really do have to like brace yourself into this thing. Yeah. And then as soon as you get that big impact, you're in the loop. Oh, wow. <laughs> and this is the part that always makes me laugh when I see because it is such a tiny loop. It's almost it a tiny loop yes it almost doesn't have enough clearance for your head when you're upside down it feels like you're it looks at to me at least like your head is you know so close to the ground you almost wouldn't except it's not a perfect loop it does like move maybe six feet you know <laughs> it's to the side and so you can, it is almost corkscrewy in that way yeah so you do the loop <laughs> Oh. And the loop does happen so fast. The ride isn't that fast. He says he's clocked it at about 24 miles an hour. Okay. So it's not that fast of a ride. But at the same time, if you consider the fact that you're only going 24 miles an hour, <laughs> how tight does that loop have to be yes. for you to make it through? Exactly. And I don't know what G-forces you're pulling when you go through that loop, but that is an intense loop. And then when you come out of the loop – see, it's directional changes that I think is where the computers and the math are really important with roller coasters. <laughs> and missing in this case. Yeah, so when you come out of the loop, that's your next big impact. You come out of the loop and you make a big left-hand turn to cross over the track and you kind of do this – You know, it, the, the track layout generally is a figure eight with – you know, the top part of the eight has the hill and the loop, and the bottom part of the eight is just a nice little cross around to get you back at the beginning. And so you hit that coming out of the loop, and then you just kind of catch your breath on the little bit going back. And what's so great is he did do a good job of designing it so that when you come back around, you almost always have enough speed to hit the chain lift again. <laughs> so you could just keep going all day long. If well, you and he likes to make people just keep going. Like, yeah. you're going again. It's like, I guess I am because I don't have a choice. Yep. So the first time you do it, you think you're going to die. The second time you do it, you kind of know what to expect and you can sort of enjoy it. Yeah. And then the third time you go through it, it hurts. Oh, yeah. You're done after you've that. you've been doing it too many times now. It's like the voyage. You can't power ride it. You exactly. Know, you, yeah. It's like riding a rickety wooden roller coaster on a 100-degree day. Yeah. And, and that's you get it. off of it in that feeling that you have. And it's like, come on, let's go ride something else. No, dude, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Was there anybody in your group who was terrified to ride it? Like after nope. Everybody it? wrote it. Wow. Everybody wrote it. He wrote it probably six or eight times. Wow. All of those grandkids wrote it. It was really cool that everybody was, you know, totally willing to do this. I was so excited when you post a photo of you sitting in the Blue Flash's car 
like on Facebook. That was like such a great moment because it was kind of a culmination of something here at Coaster Radio, you know? Yeah, it was a, it was a good landmark, Mike. It was it was very cool. It was fun to do. Yeah. Now, what about the sequel? Uh, just like we had uh, Beast and Son of Beast, you of course have the Blue Flash and then Blue Two. Well, and that was part of his story was that he built the Blue Flash because he wanted to make something really cool for the kids and he wanted to have a roller coaster of his own. Yep. But it's too big. It's too intense for his kids when they were very small, and so he wanted to build the Blue Two so everybody could enjoy. One of his roller coaster ah. creations. So the Blue Two is definitely like a kitty coaster equivalent to the Blue Flash. It's got two cars to the train, and each car seats two, and they're basically like little benches. Yeah, little metal benches. They have a front on them like a traditional roller coaster car. They've got a big seat belt that'll go two across, and it goes up a lift hill and goes down and around and up a couple of little hills, and then right back. At the beginning again, it's no big deal. It, but it, it is really fun. It's super cute. It's fun because it has a legit like station, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of cute. Where you actually take some steps up, and there's a platform, and you get in, and that's pretty cool that it actually has a station. Because the the blue flash, he built it at ground level at the um where you get in at the loading part of the ride and then again when it bottoms out at the bottom of the first drop going into the loop that's at ground level as well oh so he has to like weed whip because you go through the grass <laughs> yeah so you've got to make like, sure the track is literally like four <laughs> inches above the dirt yeah so if like There's, the like, grass grows tall up between the track yeah it's gonna slow you down if that grass is tall <laughs> and then you yeah, if you don't make it through the loop oh my gosh i wonder <laughs> if that's ever happened you've heard of like water breaking you know like on griffin at bush gardens or something in this case he's got the weeds that are slowing you down that's <laughs> right so he's got weed breaking yeah there you go wow so this is like pretty exciting exciting it's stuff. very cool and and it, the, the danger of this ride and then talking to him about it and just i loved i don't know if he's a good storyteller or if he was actually revealing his bravery slash stupidity <laughs> And building this thing, but he's a man after my own heart. So he was building this thing. He built just like a section of track in his in his shed, and he built the car. And he was like, oh, this car goes along this track really great. I'm going to go ahead and make a hill that goes over my shed. And he built the hill that goes over his shed, and then he built the drop. And he was like, I bet you I got enough speed coming out of this drop to do a loop. So he builds the loop. And he's not even thinking about this. He's just building it and welding it without even doing anything. He's like, well, I built a lot of track here. I guess I ought to test it somehow to make sure it works. And so he goes to test it. He tests it with like sacks of sand. <laughs> That's his plan is he gets these big sacks of sand and he puts them into the seat and then he tries to belt them and rope them in. Yeah. But no matter what, at the bottom of that first lift hill where it like throws you so violently. Oh, no. The sacks of sand would rip and break and just fall out. Oh, that's not a good sign. That's He's like, well, good. that's not working at all. I probably should test it on myself. Oh, he's like the Hulk. Like, well, wait a minute. How would that be your logical conclusion? He's to like, seeing sandbags get destroyed and thrown out of the thing. Oh, well, obviously a human being should be on this. Wow. He's like a Marvel superhero. You know, like he, he's saying, ah, I'm not going to test it on, uh, you know, waste time with any of the trials. Right. He's going to become like <laughs> Spider-Man or something. Yeah. I'm going to test it on myself. Radiation. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so and I asked him, I said, John, are you kidding me? You tried this? Did you like put on a motorcycle helmet and like five winter coats and like your heaviest boots? He's like, nah, I just did it. <laughs> That's a brave man. That's brave. He did it. Well, and Mike, this is the best part of this whole thing. So he tested the roller coaster on himself. He goes up the lift hill, down the drop, and through the loop. He <laughs> tested it before it was finished, Mike. So it just kept going, going without track. <laughs> 
So he and he knows that it's not finished. He doesn't. It's like when a, we went to test it. It's like a roller coaster tycoon thing. Where it you was just, exactly like roller coaster yeah. or like that Disney one where yes. the dummies would fall apart. Exactly. So he goes down the hill, around the corner, <laughs> through the loop, and then flies off the track into the yard. He doesn't care. That's so great. And That's he so just great. like rolls across the yard, gets up and is like, oh, it worked. I have finished the track now. I guess I can finish it. So that's how he decided that it was going well enough oh. that he could finish. So that's when he finished the figure oh. eight and brought it back around to the beginning. And you know what? It's going so fast out of that loop. Imagine what happened to him in the car. Like he must have just like tumbled a couple times. You oh know? my gosh. Wow. So that, that's the story of John Ivers and how he built the Blue Flash. And he said that that first year that he had it up, um, there was a roller coaster enthusiast driving down the highway and spotted it. And this person stopped their car, went up to him and said, I am a roller coaster enthusiast. Can I ride your ride? He said, yes. He videotaped it. He put it on the Internet. And that's where it all started. There you go. There it was. I wonder who that was. He still has people. He still has people that go to Holiday World every year, and they'll make this like these coaster nerds, and they'll make the specific trek from Holiday World, like two hours, to go ride the Blue Flash as a part of their experience. Wow. Now, do they just show up uninvited and like bang on his door and say, "I want to ride it"? Is that what's going on? No, they they usually call ahead, and he usually expects to have people stop and ask for a ride on the weekends. Is what he told me. But he he has his phone number out there, so anybody can call him anytime, and they can come on over and they can ride the Blue Flash. He loves giving people rides. He loves seeing people's reactions. The guy's been doing this for twelve years. That's amazing. I mean, the thing's been there for that long. You know what? It still works. And there's like nothing you have to sign. There's no like lawyer. Thing is, no, there's no. I don't know. Again, is that he's awesome or? not very smart. No, there's no waivers or anything. Wow. You know what? I liked this guy before, but I like him even more now after hearing the whole story of how it was built and that, you know, people could just go out there and have a good time. I love it. You gotta love He's that. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. So, John, if you're, if you're listening by any chance, <laughs> we had a lot of fun and thank you so much. Yeah, he sounds fantastic and it's such a great story of the building and, and you know what? How much fun is that, though, to build something for your grandkids and, you know, your kids to come out and ride, but then to share it with other people, too, is pretty cool. Um, these are not roller coasters, Mike. Oh, you know, uh, you know when we talked about roller coaster enthusiasts, I suppose we have to bring in the world's number one coaster enthusiast, our own Coaster Boy. Welcome it's back. It's me, the Coaster Boy, and let me tell you, Mike, these are not real roller coasters. Wait, you're talking about Mr. Ivers, two roller coasters, the Blue Flash? John Ivers, Blue Flash, Blue 2, Jeremy Reed, all of these things, these backyard roller coasters are not officially listed in the Dwayne Martin Roller Coaster <laughs> Database, which, as we all know, is the primary and end-all, be-all, if-so-facto reference like the kind of roller coasters in the world. Wait, you mean those aren't in the roller coaster database? Of I mean, the 6,216 roller coasters listed at rcdb.com, not once is the Oklahoma Land Run listed, Blue 2, or the Depreciator. <laughs> the Depreciator? Which the Depreciator, a well-known backyard roller coaster, Mike. I've never even heard do of it. research. <laughs> I should do my research. I haven't heard about that one before. They build these because they love engineering. Well, a real coaster boy doesn't do work. He researches the work of others in improves people with this vast compendium of coaster facts. That is true. Now, Coaster Boy, would you ever build yourself a backyard roller coaster? Please, I would never do that. These backyard roller coaster guys don't like waiting in line at parks. They want thrills on demand. That's what they say. No, real Coaster Boys wait in line. 
Have you ever made a trek out to ride Mr. Ivers' roller coasters? I would never do that, Mike. Real coaster boys do not make treks out. They make websites so that they can go to media days and get media passes. <laughs> now, what about the people who do go to Holiday World and then drive two hours to ride these roller coasters? What do you think of them? Well, I think that those coaster boys really are missing out on an opportunity to ride legitimate roller coasters. That's what I think. I think maybe if you want to go and you want to skip lines, maybe you should go videotape rides in flagrant disregard of park policy and then become really famous in the early days of the internet, in internet video, and then amass a small empire of nerds. That's how you be a real coaster boy. There we go. Now, let me ask you something. None of these PVC pipe connecting (laughs) scrap metal welding two by four hammering minis. Now, coaster boy, I'm hearing a little bit of jealousy here. Are you jealous of these backyard roller coasters? Jealous? Me, my coaster boy? No. I am the knower of all things, the writer of all rides, the reviewer and chief critic of things I had nothing to do with creating. Who me jealous? No. Coaster Boy is one of the most prolific writers, recorders, commentators, and flamers on the internet. I am not. Maybe I'm a little jealous. <laughs> it does sound like it. You know what? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> because I'm thinking maybe you would like the fame that comes uh, along. No, there's one thing that these backyard roller coaster people will never be, Mike. The Coaster Boy! There it goes. Coaster Boy, everybody. I think we need to have more Coaster Boy on Coaster Radio. You know, he makes too few appearances here. I'm glad he had the opportunity to come back. That is true. He was very upset about these us calling these roller coasters. I guess he should... We, what are they, like complex playgrounds? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because, you know, they, they do roll. They, they move on gravity. Isn't that the rule? I like, I know, know apparently like I, they have to be listed in the, the Dwayne Martin <laughs> lexicon. There we go. The RCDB. There you go. <laughs> he typed away as quick as can be and ended up on a site called RCDB. <laughs> That's from uh, A Coaster Boy Christmas. There you go. Which, by the way, I actually am starting to uh, get the props together for our big short film that will oh, be premiering. You were gonna, we're, it's going to be a video. Oh, yes. if only it could be Christmas in July. I know. That is so true. We can make this happen right now. But you guys can look forward to this because coming up in December, we're going to have the live action version of A Coaster Boy Christmas narrated by Neil Patrick Harris. I'm so excited, Mike. So yeah, we had the uh, we had the Coaster Boy Christmas here for a past for the past couple of years. Go back, listen to our Christmas episodes, and you'll hear it if you if you've missed out or want to go have your own Christmas in July. But yeah, Mike, I think we've got big plans coming for this uh, this coming winter. Yes. But it's not winter now, Mike. It's summer. It is summertime. Yeah, because here it is no Memorial Day weekend. Uh, parks are open daily, so this is the best time of year for CoasterRadio.com. Why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear a live trip report from King's Dominion. It's actually a new type of trip report one we've never had before so that'll be kind of fun and then we're going to hear from cm venom because he was at the media day for batman backwards or as we like to call it the nam tab there we go we'll be right back this is coasterradio.com are you thinking about doing some online shopping at amazon.com sometime soon did you know there's an easy and free way to support coaster radio at the same time before you start your amazon.com shopping Head to CoasterRadio.com first and click on the Amazon logo. That link will take you directly to their site, and then you shop like normal. That's it. That's all you have to do. Because you're listening to this message, Amazon.com sends Coaster Radio a small percentage of whatever you spend. You pay nothing extra. If you buy a $10 shirt, the shirt will still cost $10. You'd be surprised at how much this helps the show. So the next time you need to shop at Amazon, head to CoasterRadio.com first. It's a free and easy way to support the original Theme Park Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to CoasterRadio.com. Hey, before we go on, EB, I have a shameless plug. 
Yes. That, that I promised uh, some friends that I would do. Um, you know, we love doing CoasterRadio.com here, and one of our favorite things to do is the 80s movie podcast. And uh, I'm actually lucky enough to be part of another 80s movie podcast that just started up. It's kind of fun because I don't run it. I just get to, like, walk in and, like, talk about some 80s movies, and then I walk back out, and I don't have to do any work. It's fantastic, Oh, good EB. for you. You're living the dream, Mike. It you, is. You've got your 80s movie podcast. Yeah, so it's called Chips, Dips, and Dorks, which if, if you remember the old Nerds. movie. Yeah, yeah. If you remember the old movie, Can't Buy Me Love, that's what Seth Green's character says. He says, ah, yeah. a night with chips, dips, and dorks. Ooh. And so that's where the, uh, the thing came from. But if you guys want to check it out, uh, the website is chipsdipsdorks.com. Um, it's actually just a, a bunch of people that I know from work, and it, it's interesting because I don't I don't talk that much. I I, I just come in, I I give a few you know uh, comments about the things, but uh, everybody else on the show is really funny, and it's kind of fun. Each week, it's a different '80s movie, um, and it's very different than what we do here. So you know, it'll be interesting to see if you guys like it or not. But um, but uh, give it a listen if you like. If you like '80s movies and um, you know want to check it out, it's it's a lot of fun. I think this week's show we did Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Uh, next week, or by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be When Harry Met Sally, so that's going to be an interesting one. But going back, we've done 16 Candles and Indiana Jones and uh, Back to the Future already, so some, some good movies in there so far. I like this, Mike, that you got a couple under your belt before you go trying to do the push here so people can go back and you know, get a feel for it. Yeah, I'm a fan, Mike. I'm a fan. You count me there. Yeah, so it, it's oh, fun. Yeah, so. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll extend your plug here. It, when, when you find Chips, Dips, and Dorks, you got to find the Twitter feed, you got to find the Facebook, and you got to go to the website because you guys, it's, it's so cool what they're doing because they're actually putting up not only clips from the movies themselves that are off of YouTube or whatever, but also like weird behind-the-scenes stuff that – you would have to otherwise kind of search out for yourself. Yeah. So if you're a fan of Indiana Jones and you want to listen to the Indiana Jones commentary and them talking about the movie, they've compiled like all of the best clips and videos that you can find online in that one place for that one episode right on the chips dips dorks.com website yeah so it's kind of fun like for a whole week you can just kind of envelop yourself in that movie and and think a lot about it and it's got you know all the social media stuff so uh once again chips dips dorks.com and uh let us know what you think about it i think that'd be great very cool uh one of the things that we love here on our podcast is the live trip reports i think it's so much fun and now that we are past memorial day and uh, parks are open daily eb this is where they all start coming in where we start getting dozens a week it's it's beautiful Yes, we love it. We love uh, getting the live trip reports from you guys. It's kind of like me and Mike's way of going to the park with you. Yeah, that is so true because there are parks all over the country <laughs> that EB and I will never get to. But when we hear trip reports like this one from King's Dominion, it makes us feel like we're there. Hey, Mike and EB, this is John with a live trip report from King's Dominion in Doswell, Virginia. I tried to find the uh, one corner of the park that isn't blasting music, and it was the platform over by where the hypersonic XLC stood. I'm standing at the very bottom of Windseeker, which is running at this park. I'm not sure if all the other Cedar Fair parks have it running, but it is going here at King's Dominion on a beautiful blue day. I'd like to send my shout-out to Ben Hyman and Dave Papsmeer. Hope they're doing well, just like you two gentlemen. Thought we'd try something new here. Rather than stand outside of a coaster and let the sound of it going by, I'm going to put my phone in my pocket, hit record, and jump on the Grizzly, one of the all-time <laughs> classics here Uh-oh. at King's Dominion. <laughs> here we go. Whoa, listen to that. Whoa. 
that's my amateur audio editing of the Grizzly. Yeah. I'm going to head over now to the Congo area where we'll find Volcano and Intimidator. Oh, we're doing a tour. Wow, this is nice. All right. Well, that's five Intimidator runs in a row. <laughs> this is John from Doswell, Virginia, saying goodbye and hold out for that last row. Wow. I'm out. John <laughs> sounded a little tuckered out after five runs of Intimidator 305. He did. <laughs> He's probably grayed out there. He's like, that's it. But <laughs> He's grayed out. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That was a very interesting live trip report. We got all around the park there in just a couple minutes, and uh, we actually got some on-ride audio of Grizzly, which is pretty cool. I like that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, it sounded to me, EB, like he did have his phone secure. So I don't want to hear anybody else going crazy out there, taking their iPhones on the ride and holding it up and stuff, because we don't want that. Coaster Boy would frown upon that if we if we did that here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if you've got a way to secure those things, as long as your loose articles are secured, I mean, <laughs> well, that's when we'll consider it here at the show, I think. That was great. No, I enjoyed it. It was like we were on the ride with him. Yeah, that was my great. Eyes, Mike, I did. That was cool. And he got into the Intimidator station and stuff. So that was a lot of fun. So we love live trip reports like that. Uh, just make sure you're safe out there because the one thing I don't want is if I'm riding my favorite roller coaster, I don't want to get smacked in the face by your cell phone. <laughs> It'll piss me off if that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know what, man? That worries me. That worries me on roller coaster these days. Is when I see people like holding up their camera phones and stuff, and I'm like, dude, put that thing away. You're going to let go of it, and it's going to fly back and hit me. So I'm like, I'm very aware. I saw aware. Final Destination. It's going to like wrap its <laughs> hand strap around the track, and it's going to derail us. Dude, I am so aware of that now. I like it. These days, I'm looking ahead in the car to see like if there are any jokesters up there, you know pulling a fast one and trying to take a photo because then i'm ready i'm ready with my hands up to deflect that shit if it comes our way you know what i'm saying <laughs> you're gonna so, <laughs> you're gonna it out of the way yeah exactly that's what you gotta do now you gotta defensively ride these roller coasters so or just sit in the front just sit in the front seat and it'll all be good well no because then you're gonna get like the loop it's gonna drop down from the top and it'll catch you oh that's oh man so many things we gotta worry we didn't have to worry about this stuff 10 years ago in my age we had to worry about film cameras <laughs> there we go None of these digital monstrosities. Oh, yeah. So everybody keep keep an eye out out there for that type of stuff, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that on Batman backwards. I guess because it is going backwards, maybe you wouldn't get hit in the face. Uh, well, <laughs> You're not going to be able to deflect it, though. It's going to get you in the back of the head. Yeah, we got to worry about that. Of course, at Six Flags Great America out there in Illinois, right outside of Chicago, uh, they are running their Batman rides backwards, and we affectionately call it... <laughs> the Nam Tab. The Nam Tab. I guess it would be Nam Tab It. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Is the the there we go. And so basically, what they had is a media day for this a couple of weeks ago. I think it was actually the it might have even been the same day as the Gatekeeper one. Which sure, <laughs> I think that makes sense. <laughs> which maybe wasn't the best idea, but that's all right. They have to do their media day too. And our good friend out there in Chicago, CM Venom, was covering it for us. How's it going? Doing great. How you guys doing? Hello, Mike. Hello, EB. It's a pleasure hey. to be on Coaster Radio. Finally, there you go. And thank you so much for heading out to the media day for us and checking it out. 
Oh, I want to thank you guys for sending me out there. That's that was a it was a singular pleasure. Of course, we'll get into that, and it, just an amazing experience out yeah. there in Great America. It really, really was. Now, before we get going, though, I want to talk about your name. I think you have one of the most creative handles ever, uh, CM Venom. So, tell us what that's all about. What what is that? Well, well, I've actually been uh, involved in professional wrestling for a, almost twenty years now. At this point, um, the CM originally stood for Chick Magnet, but it has become what Wikipedia <laughs> likes to call an orphan acronym, which means that it truly doesn't really stand for anything. Just two letters that goes in front, and uh, that's pretty much the stage name I've been uh, I've been going under for many, many years. Uh, retired from active competition about 2004. Now I uh, work for different companies around the Chicago area, do commentating, master ceremonies, ring announcing, booking, you pretty much name it. Pretty oh. much everything but uh, but go in there and, and get the unholy crap kicked out of me. Wow. So, so that's awesome. awesome. So you can actually do like all the moves and stuff, like all the things that we see on TV all the time? I, I guess I should put a disclaimer and say that I used to be able to do those. Uh, <laughs> probably about a good 40 or 50 pounds ago, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's the kind of thing you never truly forget it. I, I try to stay out of rings when I go to visit companies because yeah. the, the itch is always going to be there, oh. even if the age is increasing. So, Did you ever have a favorite thing that you would do, like a favorite move or like something that was like you know your signature thing? Um, I actually used a back brain kick, uh, courtesy of the old Nintendo Pro Wrestling uh, <laughs> game. The, the, yeah, unfortunately, I, I'll have to admit that's where I stole it from. But, there uh, you go. It was an easy, low-impact maneuver. Um, one of the things people tell you about pro wrestling is that if you're going to pick a finishing maneuver, the maneuver that, that's going to knock the opponent out, that's going to put them down for the three count, you should select something that you can apply to anyone of any size at any time during a match. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, I mean, you see some where a guy has to pick somebody up and a fireman's carry over their shoulders. I'm not trying that with a 400-pound Samoan. That's insane. <laughs> But I can leap up and kick him in the back of the head and make it look good. So, yeah. You know, the thing that I always think about wrestling, though, E.B., is that, you know, anybody, well, not anybody, but any athlete could probably do the moves. But it takes a special person who is athletic, but then can also, you know, do all the speaking, too, and all of, you know, grabbing the mic and getting the crowd going crazy. You know, I think that's really the coolest thing about uh, people who are wrestlers because they're not only athletes, they're entertainers, too. You got to have a personality to go with it. And then, of course, hit, when, when your career of being in the ring is done, just like CM Venom here, you can keep it going. It's like Bobby the Brain. Yes, there you go. And I'll be the first to admit I was a marginal athlete at best. So <laughs> if nothing else, I, uh, I was more enhancement talent, I guess. I had a few good matches here and there. I'm proud of some of the things I did. My wife got to see me wrestle one time. That's all she really needed. <laughs> um, but the way I figure it, the mouth and the brain, those things stay sharp or possibly just get better as years go on. So uh, I'll be tormenting Chicago companies as long as someone will pay me to, uh, to talk on a microphone. There we go. Well, that's awesome. And actually, being in Chicago, you've got your home park right there, Six Flags, Great America. And I mean, do you, are you you like a big roller coaster enthusiast? Do you get out to the parks a lot? Oh, monstrous. I've been going to Six Flags Great America since 1970. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Actually, since park opening at 76. Uh, wow. I would average when I was younger, probably about two to three visits per summer. When I got to about driving age and learned the wonders of the season passed, that usually ballooned up to about five to 10 to 15. Now I, I'll probably get out to the park. Anywhere from 15 to 20 times oh, per summer. That's awesome. Now, for those of us, like, I've never actually had a chance to get out to that park. Tell us a little bit about it. Like, what are some of the charming things uh, that, you know, somebody would have to go and check out if they were a first-timer? It's actually in the in the, the Six Flags um, 
how do I put this properly? It, it's probably one of the best of the Six Flags parks that I've visited, at least when it comes down to a variety of coasters and theming. Um, most people probably know that the parks, originally this one and its sister park in Santa, uh, Santa Clara, California, were originally created by Marriott. Uh, had the yep. exact same theming, exact mm -hmm. same architecture, exact same rides, literally mirror images of each other on different coasts. When Six Flags bought it out and Paramount, I believe, bought the California park, things started to change. Rides started to go into different areas. I would say probably, to the best of my knowledge, it's one of the more heavy attended Six Flags parks with the exception of Magic Mountain. Even for being a seasonal park and only open until October, I'd say it's it's probably up there, number one or number two, at least in the parks that I've been to, the Six Flags parks. I definitely, I, I of course, I love my home park. Yeah. I mean, I'm... You know, I'm always gonna, I'm I'm gonna err on the side of caution and say that this is definitely my favorite park. But as it stands, it's probably one of the largest ones with a really good mix of steel and wood. Um, wonderful theming, still a lot of remnants from the old Marriott days when they put a lot of work into the infrastructure. Just a beautiful park. Anyone who hasn't gotten a chance to get out there, highly recommend it. Yeah, what there would, you go? You selling it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. What would you say is one of like the hidden gems in the park? Maybe not one of the headliners, but something that's there that's kind of unique to Great America. You know, I love my, I love the American Eagle. Uh, it's one of the few actual racing coasters. It's a, it's an out and back racing coaster with a monstrous helix. I believe it still holds the world record for the tallest and longest drop on a racing coaster uh, built in 81 i believe i'm pretty sure it was an intamin yes i'm, I'm showing my, my inner coaster board, <laughs> there we so. go that's nice. nice but uh I've, I've gone from loving that ride when i was younger to hating it as it got rickety to loving it again um they turned the trim brakes off this past year on the helix and wow that thing just rips back to the station i've had people tell me it's as solid as the trip back on the voyage okay there you go that's pretty good that's, so mm, yeah. that's probably up for some interpretation on some people but uh it, it's the kind of thing that it's so massive at the back of the park it's such a such a huge just a huge coaster in the back there it's the kind of thing that almost has become a it, it's a symbol of the park itself when you're driving to the park north or south the Helix on the Eagle is one of the first things you see. It's impossible yeah. to miss. What would you say is the park's like signature attraction right now? Would it be X-Flight or maybe Raging Bull? Is it, is it one of those or is it something else maybe? You know, I would probably go at this point with Raging Bull just because of its longevity. Yeah. Um, hmm. Bull's probably one of the smoothest B&Ms that I think I've ever been on. Definitely got one of the, the sharpest layouts for one of the hyper coasters. X-Flight's given it a run for its money, though. I mean, yeah. to me, it kind of goes, they're, they're neck and neck for the top steel in the park for me. You know, completely different experiences, obviously, but I, I like them both equally. Got to give maybe a little bit of an extra edge to Raging Bull just for its longevity, and I've had many more rides on it. But X-Flight's creeping up on it, though. Yeah. I think one of the rides that has been really popular in a lot of the Six Flags parts are, are the Batman rides. You know, the you got one at your park and a bunch of other Six Flags parts, even like Six Flags over Georgia. Uh, that's where I rode my first Batman, the ride. Uh, that ride came about when, – when did it come to Great America? Was it uh, like in the early 90s? Yeah, it was actually summer of 1992. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. And the first time that I wrote it, this is the days, of course, before the Internet and before you knew something like this was coming. So the first indication that we had a new coaster, you would either happen to see one of the new park maps that would show up a few months before park opening. N nothing gave us any indication that we were going to get something like this. I mean, riding yeah. this for the first time with the, the theming in the line, the, the Danny Elfman score playing, just a complete package. It was 
like nothing that Six Flags had ever done before. Yeah, I don't know about and you guys, it, but I'm completely and utterly mind blowing. And to this day, it, it's it's still, I think, one of the tightest layouts for any inverted coaster I, I've ever been on anywhere in the country. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I miss the days before the internet where you wouldn't really know what a new attraction was for the next year. Sometimes until you'd show up at the park, or maybe like you know, in the you last, would just know the name and you would have seen a commercial that yes. like hinted at it and, and didn't really show you anything. Yeah, and then sometimes you were like so surprised <laughs> when you'd come through the gates and be like, oh my god. Look at this new roller coaster. I had no idea. So, you know, nowadays I, mean, I would I would wait like in spring. I'd be looking. You know, we'd we'd stop. Like parents and I would go on road trips. We'd stop at hotels, and I'd be I'd be looking every time for that Marriott's for that pamphlet to see what was new for eighty seven. Oh, look, it's Power Dive. Oh, for eighty eight, it's this. I remember clearly seeing the. Uh, they were using promotional pictures from Magic Mountain for the stand-up coaster when Iron Wolf opened in 1990. And mm. I couldn't for the life of me figure out why there were suddenly mountains in the back of the plains of Illinois. And then, of course, <laughs> I figured it out there for that. But yeah, I never said I was the smartest guy. <laughs> <back then. laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, you're in good company here, too, so that's, that's no problem. <laughs> but, yeah, so tell us what the reaction was, at least your reaction, when you heard that they were going to take Batman the Ride and spin it around backwards. And that's the big thing. <laughs> now, to me, um, the first I'd heard about it was probably, I, I think it was around Fright Fest, somewhere around fall last year. Um, the fantastic site Screamscape had put a rumor on that they were turning trains around on the Batman down in Six Flags St. Louis. And it was an interesting thought until I stopped. And, and anybody who's ridden a Batman understands that it's it's a very tight, very fast ride, a lot of inversions, a lot of elements, a lot of it to me that makes that ride passable, that makes it tolerable, I guess, without being too forceful, is the fact that you can see just ready slightly ahead of where you're going. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, it, you know, at least to me that the, the mind has at least a quarter of a second to kind of prepare the body for a turn to the left or a zero G roll or you're going into this. I had figured when going backwards that that would have been completely taken away from me. I'll be honest, I didn't really think the ride was going to be that comfortable. I thought it was going to be almost a little too intense. Yeah. Right. I was and a little that, worried. And that's what we were kind of thinking about, especially even when we had uh, some of the people from Six Flags Great America on the show. We were like kind of tap dancing around it, but saying, are you sure this is going to work? You know, because right. it just... and nobody else had tried anything like that to this point either, so you didn't really have a point of reference to it, so you're kind of going in blind almost. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, you actually had a chance to uh, ride it on the media day. Uh, so give us the big review, the official Coaster Radio review, and tell us tell us what it was like. What was the big experience like? Well, I pulled up to uh, – I probably got to the park at about 8 o'clock to a, an extremely strange site, which is a nearly empty parking lot. I mean, when <laughs> you've got a parking lot the size of Great America's that's only got about 100 cars in there with a couple media vans, it <laughs> looks as if there's nobody there at all. A um, couple folks were waiting for us. I checked in, told them, uh, hey, folks, I'm from Coaster Radio. Did a little pull down of the collar, of course. They genuflected. Of <laughs> there course, you go. They, I, I imagined that they were going to. <laughs> um, gave me the media pass and then just, oh, you know the way, right? Go ahead. Yeah. And just all <laughs> oh. the signs, I believe I was told. One of the weirdest experiences probably of any, any park experience that I've ever had is walking from the front of the park all the way back to Yankee Harbor to where Batman was without a single soul in sight. Oh, that is and weird. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was so extremely weird about it. I've been in the park when there was almost nobody there, you know, over the years. There was no background music. Yes. Right. It's yes. like when you go into a store and for whatever reason the music is off and you're like, something's not right here. Exactly. I'm hearing It takes a minute chirping. to figure it out, right. 
yeah, so it took me a few moments to kind of get used to that. And then I start hearing the roar of a couple trucks, and they're doing maintenance, and they're painting, and they're guys are working on trim and everything. And I said, okay, I'm not the only human being here. <laughs> I didn't actually, un- unfortunately, show up on the wrong day. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because sometimes so, on days like that, you you want to just like hide in the bushes and just you know wait for everybody to leave and then have the run of the park. Yeah, it looked a little weird. All the all the shops are shuttered and everything. None of the rides are running. There was just nobody in sight. It was really hard not to just run off and take self photos of oh here's me in front of Superman. Hey, here's me in front of King Chaos. <laughs> but un- unfortunately, I was there for media day, so I had I had a job to do. There so. we go. There we go. <laughs> but uh, by the time we got back to Batman, that's when people started popping up. Um, they had had a they had a stage that was built in front. Um, there was a a large plywood construct that was built up to suggest a forward and backward switch for Batman the Ride. And I like that they put the actual Gotham Public Works logo on there. The, yeah. the park went all out for this <laughs> one too, as if to suggest that all you had to do was just pull a simple switch and the ride would go from. You know, obviously forward to backwards, <laughs> which I did read on a site that shall na- be unnamed. Well, why did the park buy that sign if they weren't going to just switch it over like that? <laughs> really hard not to respond there we to go. that one. Oh, I'm so. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but um, I walked up. Uh, it's It seemed like there were there weren't nearly as many media representatives there as I had believed there were going to be. And I believe you guys alluded to it earlier. Same day as Gatekeeper out at Cedar Point. Yeah, mm-hmm. like every most of the major Chicago outlets were out in Sandusky. We got a lot of uh, affiliates from Milwaukee, a lot from Wisconsin, and for some reason, about six or seven Spanish language stations were there. Wow, that's interesting. So that's cool. And if, and if you've seen Spanish news, uh, you you know exactly what they're. Um, what a lot of their anchor women dress like and how <laughs> Did, they look. So needless aye, to say, aye, aye. Domingo. <laughs> I had absolutely no problem with that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good assignment. A good assignment that day. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look like a pretty look like a plum piece to me right there. there. Go. <laughs> okay, this is working out all right for me. Um, checked in at the front. They asked me if I wanted to do the uh, the on ride video at first. I'd actually been to the park for opening day the previous Saturday. They were testing the ride. They were running it, allowing the the GP, the general public, to get on. It was very difficult for me, but I had to abstain from it. I wanted the the very first impression of the ride to be taped. I wanted you guys to see the very first impression I had from it. Oh, great. The ride does not disappoint. Any issues that anybody thought they would have about it being too intense or too rough, you can completely forget them. Amazingly smooth. Wow. Um, extremely intense coming out of inversions, coming out of the loops, coming out of the the zero-G roll. You get that amazing pulse that runs down your legs. Wow, it's just wow. completely exceeding my expectations. Yeah, I, so I didn't what, expect what about the can't-see-what's-coming part, though? That's what I thought as well, too, and I kept bracing myself for the uncomfortableness, and it never really came. Hmm. I mean... I'm assuming that the park wouldn't just go ahead and throw this thing around and put 10 people on it and say, yeah, okay, that's great. Let's just run it like that. (laughs) They obviously had enough people testing it to say that it, you know, wasn't going to be too intense. Uh, Fantastic. Completely disorienting experience. If you've been on this ride, any one of your Batman rides have been on this hundreds of times. I've been on hundreds of times. I know that layout like the back of my hand. I was confused. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
That's interesting. It, it takes a while because your brain can't process exactly where it is you're going because you can't see and everything is in reverse. Yeah. I'm assuming if I wrote this a few hundred times, I'd start to figure it out. But it seemed like every time kind of gave you that, that new impression, that new feel for it. Just a spectacular experience. Absolutely fantastic. I completely exceeded my expectations. I would imagine one of the cool things would be kind of seeing the track flow away from you. Like that might, you know, after you go through an inversion or some type of element to see it then like float away would be kind of cool. One of the odd things too is that when you're going up the lift hill, um, you would figure that the, the hill is going to be so steep that you'd be pressed up against the, the restraints. It'd be the only thing that's actually holding you in. It doesn't feel as steep as you would think, but it does give you a fantastic view of the layout. Now, anybody who's been to Great America, um, most of the layout for Batman, the second half of it, is kind of hidden back towards like the access area of the park, near some woods, behind a few other rides. Not really that visible from the main midway, so you don't really get a chance to see a lot of it. Now, this, all of a sudden, here it is. You can see the entire yeah, thing. That's Just pretty cool. Just an odd feeling getting a, a completely different view of everything, completely different view of the park, completely different view of the layout, the lift hill. Fantastic. That's great. Have you seen any change in like the queue length for the ride? Like, Are, are more people getting in line for it now that it's uh, Batman backwards or Namtab? Are, are, are you seeing like kind of a resurgence? When I, when I walk past Namtab, yeah. it's very difficult for me to call it anything but Namtab yeah. at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um on opening name tab. I'm sorry, I have to. <laughs> uh, walking past it on opening day, I probably guesstimate the line at about two hours. Oh. Not a typical summer day. Usually runs about there for an opening day. That's a pretty massive line. Wow. There, there's a there's a lot of buzz in the area. A lot of people that I work with. A lot of people that I know. People have heard about it. They started the media blitz out here now too. I'm I'm expecting pretty long lines pretty much until they uh they decide to flip this thing around again that's amazing eb it's kind of like what you said you know it's like getting a new ride without having to pay for a new ride it's just paying for a little bit of promotion and you get you know something that's kind of brand new for everybody that's right the uh, the plywood sign at the beginning and they had to well i guess they they spent a little bit of money on the new cars right didn't they have to like re-engineer some of the cars now, to the best of my knowledge, I think B&M actually uh, manufactured a pair of new chassis for mm-hmm. the trains. The seats okay. are the same. Um, I guess the, I'm not sure if the wheels are the same, but they had to actually create a brand new set of chassis. They had to eliminate a row as well, too, because I guess that they couldn't fit all eight rows into the station the way it was normally configured, so they had to go down to seven. Lost a little capacity there, as they say. So. Yeah. But uh, as as far as I know, the chassis is really the only thing new in. Everything else is uh, is pretty much original pieces from the original ride. Yeah, there I you think go. minimal investment and CM Venom here says it's a brand new ride. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It, it feels fantastic. And it works. It's, it works. It, it certainly does. And I've heard a lot of rumor too that eventually, once it's done here, that they're going to be taking the chassis off, turning everything back, and then sending those chassis out to different Batmans at different Six Flags parks yeah, so everybody sweet. can have a try. Yeah, because you're seeing that it works. So you know that's yeah. saying, and something that's pretty inexpensive to do. So you got to love that. Well, so and they uh, Six Flags did a, did a great job, you know, with with their media day experience. They uh, they had the normal, they had the wonderful spread out with the butternut muffins and the free nice. drinks in the local restaurant. And uh, there were also a a good number of coaster enthusiasts there from different sites that hey. were to there to fill in as rider bits. As the the GoPro camera obviously was in the front slash back row, where the folks from the media would then record their bit, but they, of course, the park wants a, 
you know, a full train to make it look like it's a, you know, a, a spectacular going. So they would mm-hmm. have lines of enthusiasts who would then basically just fill seats. <laughs> oh, a funny. lot of these folks didn't really want to even get off the ride. I talked to more than a few <laughs> that said they had been there since about 3.30 that morning. Oh. One guy said he had topped out at about 50 rides over the course what? of the entire day. Wow. What? I tapped out at 10. <laughs> Yeah. No way. Four, four in a row without getting out of a seat, and I, 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 you know what? My blood sugar is ruined. I, yeah. I need to sit down for a few. Wow. <laughs> See, those are like the hardcore coaster boys right there who could do that, who could pull 50 Yeah, those guys just didn't get tired. You know, they... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those media days are kind of fun, though, especially when you're actually covering it for somebody. I think that, that it's, it is really a lot of fun, especially like you were saying, getting to see your part. At a, at, at a different time, you know, like a, right. in a different and, light. Uh, and after after they had the, the little rope-cutting ceremony for it and everything, they had a gentleman up there in a, uh, a relatively form-fitting Batman outfit who actually <laughs> pulled the switch to change it from forwards to backwards. Uh, I'm the confetti in the around. <laughs> Fireworks and confetti went up. A uh, little speech from the park president, a uh, gentleman named Hank Salemi, very, very gracious, nice gentleman. Had a chance to have a few words with him earlier. Um, what was his name? His name is Hank Salemi. Oh, okay. oh, I thought you said slimy. No, I was like, is this a new Batman villain I'm not aware of? <laughs> no, Hank Salemi is a very nice and gracious man. He's uh, awesome. actually took a few moments for me to shake my hand, and uh, and we talked a little bit about the ride. You know, nothing at any great length and everything, because he's obviously a very busy man. Sure. But, um, there was a park official who I shall not name, who unfortunately for him didn't tend to notice that I was standing in a group of Six Flags management, and then expressed his uh, his wish that because most of the media from Chicago was out in Sandusky, that perhaps Gatekeeper could break down and then have a bad experience and a bad showing for Cedar Point. Well, Uh-oh. Wow. Until the eyes traveled over to me and then down to the media badge, and I kind of just gave him the <laughs> wink and the double point, and, uh, yeah, he kind of walked away. After that, there you so. go. He's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, where's that going to get out? And that was good of you. That was good of you to not give his name, but, yeah, I'm sure they were thinking that that day, just, you know, open. Well, it's, it's also good to know, too, that there's still a healthy level of competition yeah. between companies that own parks. You I gotta mean, love they're, that, yeah. they're concerned about what goes on at other parks. They know what's going on at the point, and the point knows what's going on over at Great America. And uh, it, it reminds you that we, we all kind of live in the same big coaster world, but not everybody is on the same level. So, yeah. And some people wish um, horrors and <laughs> failure on their enemies. There you go. <laughs> and that competition only makes it better for all of us, you know? So that, that's, that's what true. it comes to that's at the true. end. That's true. Well, CM was great. He actually recorded a lot of video there, and there's some on-ride video that we'll have, too. So keep an eye on our YouTube feed and also on our uh, podcast feed because we're going to have that up at some point. Uh, but thank you so much for going out there and covering it for us and uh, giving us the review of it tonight. This is fantastic. Guys, I highly appreciate you sending me out there. I also want to send a quick shout-out and thank everybody at Six Flags Great America for hosting us there. It was a great media day. Everybody that uh, that I met there was absolutely fantastic and gracious. Uh, the park's doing a great job in, in recent years. They've... Six Flags has really turned themselves around, especially Great America being one of the older parks in the chain. Their uh, their social media is is par excellence, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. They're and giving you- nods back to the past. They're they're acknowledging the fact that it used to be married. I'm not sure if you guys know or not, but they've had a three part. Um, video produced in-house in the pictorium in the IMAX screen there called Screams and Dreams, which hmm. goes back and actually looks at the history of the park from 1976 on. Oh, that's uh, great. 
they were saying that they're probably going to put this out on DVD after the entire thing is done. The third part of it just came out on opening day. Hoping to look for that DVD, man. It's it's one of the kind of things that's it's just it's a fantastic thing for a park to do to acknowledge its own past and you know not forget about anything that came before. But I got to give complete and utter props to Great America. They've been doing a a fantastic knockout job. Oh, great. Well, you are our guy there at Six Flags Great America, so, you know, whenever anything's happening, let us know, and hopefully we'll be able to set up something uh, for Halloween time, you know, so you can head out there and check it out when they do their media day for that. Anytime you guys need me to do anything, feel free to give me a call. You got the number, you got the email, give me a buzz, and I want to thank both of you guys. You do a fantastic job. This is the best and the original theme park podcast out there, and I was honored absolutely and completely honored to represent you guys out at the park well great thank you so much cm venom everybody thank you so much for uh, heading out and checking out nam tab for us thanks thanks all right i always like talking to somebody who loves theme parks and loves their home park and cm venom you know he's been going to that park all his life and you could tell he loves it there he had a really nice review there, didn't he? Yeah. And he liked the Namtab roller coaster. Yeah, there you go. You got to like that. So, yeah. And I'm surprised because, you know, when I first heard about that, I said, oh, my gosh, this is a bad idea. This isn't going to work. But, uh, yeah, hearing CM talk about it and, you know, some other people I've heard, it, it sounds like a great idea. So good It sounds like a great idea. It sounds like it's a raging success. It sounds like it's going to be like the new thing. And there we just heard it. It's probably going to be going to all the other parks that have the Batman roller coaster. Yeah. So thank you very much, CM. It was really nice to talk to him. I, I think it's always fun to, uh, especially when listeners of the show get to go and represent the show at these things. I think that's, that's, that's a dream come true for us as well, uh, to be able to have that to happen all around the country. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, we're getting ready to wrap up this week's show. Uh, here we are. Like it's, it's the time we've been waiting for, Memorial Day weekend, where parks go to daily operation all around the world. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. Uh, one of the things that we're really excited about is that we are producing our own CoasterRadio.com commercial. Uh, it's, it's really neat because it's kind of our summertime project, and we're actually finishing it up faster than we anticipated, E.B., this is great. No, it's it's kind of like a crowdsourced thing where each sh- small little portion of the commercial, like three or four words, a small line of the of the copy for the commercial is recorded by a different person at a different location. And so when it all goes together, it's going to be this seamless flow that just jumps from person to person, from park to park, from ride to ride. It's a really cool idea, and it's looking good, Mike. Yeah, it really is. And EB might have even shot a line for this in front of the blue flash. <laughs> we might have a blue flash <laughs> bit in there. So that might be in there, and... Some other surprises, too. So, really, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Um, if you're going to be at any park and want to record a line, uh, email us at feedback at coasterradio.com and let us know. Um, we'll give you a line, and you can give it a shot. But the places that we're looking for right now is somebody at the Magic Kingdom or Universal Studios, especially if you're going to Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, we've got a line that needs to be done there. So, those are the two places. So, if you're heading out there with an iPhone 5 or something and can shoot some HD video and uh, you can get one of your friends right in front of the camera there uh email us and we'll we'll get you in get you to be a part of the commercial should be cool that'd be great we've also got our iphone app which is out there and now that the parks are in daily operation we're really looking for you guys to take the iphone app that you can download free on the itunes store and use this new feature on it it's actually the coasterradio.com camera because eb people are sending us shots from all over the world from parks everywhere and they're going immediately into our Flickr and instagram feeds I love this, Mike. People, everybody should go and get the app, the CoasterRadio.com app from iTunes, because these pictures, they do go up right 
away. And me and Mike, we love to see him. And the, the listeners, they like to see him too. But mostly it's for me and Mike. <laughs> That's right. Because like Evie said earlier in the show, you know, we get to uh, some parks here in the U.S., but it's so much fun seeing parks all around the country and all around the world. So we love that stuff. So go ahead and download that app. Uh, it's totally free, and it's in the iTunes store right now. And here to close things out, just like he started the show, is our good friend, NPH. CoasterRadio.com is a production of Lift Hill Media, LLC. The show is intended for private use only and may not be redistributed or broadcast without our express written permission. Copyright 2013. All rights reserved. Thank you very much, Neil. And thanks to all of you for joining us, not only this week, but every week here at CoasterRadio.com. We love having you guys with us. Thanks also to CM Venom for heading out to NamTab and checking it out and giving the good review. Right, EB? Yeah, that was great. A good review, and he liked uh, Batman. Yes, he got to like that. I like that they actually had a real Batman out there, and he threw a switch. I love that. <laughs> I love that they actually did that, and they had the whole setup about and the little plot that went along with it. That's great. <laughs> that is fun. That is fun. If you want to follow along with CoasterRadio.com throughout the week, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. We're at Twitter.com slash CoasterRadio and Facebook.com slash CoasterRadio. And if you want to email EB and I anytime, our address is feedback at CoasterRadio.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the original Theme Park Podcast. For CoasterRadio.com, I'm Neil Patrick Harris. Peace out, suckers. <laughs>